Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Uh, happy Tuesday. I know it's Tuesday because it was Monday Night Football last night, so I'm doing my best act impression. <laughs> um, I have to say, just to start off briefly on the uh, on Monday Night Football, I watched about maybe 10 minutes of it. Yeah, I didn't even. Why, why does the NFL play in Mexico City? Extra money, man. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a league that is so that is supposedly so financially well off and, you know, have their coffers full be so – I mean, so in a way, just like, I mean, if they're doing that for the the quick hit of money, I mean, it makes them look like, you know, like the circus coming into town. And well, coming- I, all right. So if you want to go down that road, they want to make their money and they want to hold on to it. So like when when they decided to have this tryout out of the blue for, for Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. there was a clause yeah. in the sheet in the lit- in basically in the um, the sheet that you have to sign away all your all your rights, which is normal. Right. But they added the clause that this doesn't this does not help you with future employment, and that's never been on that sheet before. He has three lawyers, so of course, of course, they saw that and said, "Don't sign that because you'll sign away any future rights that you may have." And when a league does that, the circus is in town because. They are telling you basically they tried to pull a fast one there. Well, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, this whole thing with Kaepernick on the weekend, not to get into this too much, but it was a complete and utter sham. Now, I don't know whether it was part of the settlement that he had with the league. I'm assuming it was. And right. the teams, the teams wanted cover because they didn't want to say we want to have an individual workout with Kaepernick because, because then protesters would come to their facilities. So they get covered by doing it in a neutral place with all these teams. But I'm telling you right now, um, and I sort of – I watched the the Stephen A. Smith and uh, uh, the response, and I know there was a back and forth between him and another another uh, former 49er who went along with Kaepernick. Right. This is, this is a complete sham, especially when – Apparently, apparently he had to. He wanted to move the uh, the showing of you know his his tryout to another place so he could film it for Nike commercials. Well, okay, but still, it's a little more than that too. So let's say the NFL sets this up. They set it up at their stadium, right? It does negate transparency because then the NFL is going to film it. And you don't know what the NFL is going to send to the other teams. That's where these two sides are at. Yeah, but so there were two, they, one bit. There were twenty-five teams represented, so they're all they're all either taking video or they're all seeing it with their own eyes. So well, I, but it's different when it's when it's in an NFL place where they can control everything. Right. And I don't think twenty-five showed up. Only eight showed up, I think. But I mean, the, the point twenty-five is, showed up for the NFL thing because they probably felt like they had to. Eight showed up. 
to his real workout. Oh, so they not so seventeen said screw this. I believe so. Yes. Wow. Well, I did, see. I didn't know that, but I'll well, tell you. He right. moved it to a different side of town, which is fine. And actually, he moved it into an area that is not pro Colin Kaepernick. So there were a couple people protesting, and there were like six or seven that were on his side. But at the end of the day, he wanted to own the video, which I don't blame him for. Because think about that. Knowing the the bad blood between the two sides, if you go to the NFL's park, you go to their place, you let them video it, you don't know what they're going to do with that. So I, I didn't blame him in that instance. I mean, if it's for if you hire him, don't hire him. But. If, it's, if it's for the purposes of him having his own video, fine. If it's for the purposes of him filming it so he can include it on a, a new Nike ad, I have a problem with it. But, well, whatever. But again – I will say this. You're not wrong to have a problem with it, but he's not wrong to continue right. to make a living while he's being stopped from being from making a living too. Right. And we know he's being stopped by stopped from making a living because no team in the NFL wants the the you know the the backfire of hiring him. And right. so I don't think that, I don't think that would exist anymore, but they believe it does. So Well, and I, I cannot remember who it was, but there was an NFL commentator who was interviewed um, on um, – it was a couple days ago – who said – it was on Bill Simmons, one of Bill Simmons' podcasts, and he said, I have a weird feeling that Colin Kaepernick will get a job on November the 4th, 2020, which is the day after the presidential election next next year because – Why would that matter? Well, because he thinks that uh, the NFL is scared of Trump and Trump going on Twitter and making it a, a cause. Like, I don't know if that's true. I, I, if that's the case, then the NFL is running scared again. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, I'm not sure if I buy it, but it, it is plausible because we know that it was a big pain in the butt for them. I can't say there's no chance of it being true, but if that's really it, that's kind of weird too. Right. So let's talk baseball hall of fame, right? Cause the ballot's out. I'm not going to name everybody on the ballot, but I just figured name, you know, we should both name three or four guys right. that we think should make it. So I'll, I'll go with mine first. Mm -hmm. And most of it wasn't met with resistance. One player was no. Derek Dieter, obviously not. No. Uh, I had Ted Simmons. That wasn't met with much resistance. Yeah, we, we talked about that last year, and I, yeah. and I, and I agree. I think yeah. yeah, a lot of people actually agreed with that. Uh, Jeff Kent was met with some resistance, but others realized that if you actually put him up against other second basemen, he's got tremendous numbers. Like, it's just there's no denying it. The amount of homers in the RBIs. The RBIs is just shy of 1,500. I think the home runs are just shy of 400. Right. It's now, pretty good numbers. And then the other guy was Omar Vizquel. And my argument for Omar Vizquel is he was one of the top two in his position. There were times where he became a little bit of a run producer. He would steal bases. He would win gold gloves. And if Bill Mazeroski is in and if Phil Rizzuto is in, yeah. you can make the argument for – Omar Vizquel. Yeah, I think Omar Vizquel sort of falls in the Ozzy Smith category. He's not as yeah. good as Ozzy. Mm -hmm. And Ozzy, you know, Ozzy was a was a was a nothing hitter in San Diego and nothing awful, terrible. And then he and you know he was purely a defensive guy. And then he got traded to St. Louis. And Can we be back. fair and and say that the AstroTurf helped Ozzy? Sure. Smith? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and no no doubt. But I mean, he became a he became a better hitter. He, you know, he, he did. Um, you know, but. Uh, 
so later in his career, he was a you know he got on base, he stole bases, and he was a Gold Glove shortstop. And I think Vizcal, I don't think Vizcal is as good. He's basically the same. He started out not much of a hitter, two twenty, two thirty. He got up yeah. later in his career, he was pretty good, and he's a Gold Glover. So I think he's got a good chance because he follows that sort of structure of a career. Um, like and and the thing is, I I know I don't believe that they're eligible for the fact that they didn't get ten percent. But uh, I, I continue to say that if Harold Baines got in, that it eventually Mattingly and no, Mattingly is on the new okay. veteran ballot. Well, Mattingly, Mattingly and Hernandez, I think, have to get in. They, they, I, I believe they're both on the new veterans ballot. I wouldn't vote them out. I wouldn't. I would have no problem. I just don't think they're the next ones in. But I think they should get in. Like I just interviewed an author last night about Dale Murphy. At this point, Dale Murphy looks like a pretty good Hall of Fame candidate. Yeah, two-time MVP. I think he had 398 home runs. Yeah, he had, he had 100 RBIs four or five times. Uh, did we we mentioned McGriff, right? Did we mention? Yeah, McGriff? yeah, we mentioned McGriff. McGriff many times. I mean, Al Oliver had 28, 28, 2850 hits. Yeah, that's about right for him. Yep. Yeah, Bill Bill Madlock has to be factored in. He had like 2700 hits. I think all of these guys now will get their due, but I think it's going to be in drips and drabs right. to go along with the modern day guys. And unfortunately. The ba- the, see, the Baines thing opened up the window because now yeah. you've signed off on compilers. So Julio Franco might get in. And I think – Yeah, except for the, the help he had. But I, I think that's going to hold him back. But otherwise – Was he a steroid guy? Yeah. Look how big he was when he was with the Mets. He was he was massive. Okay. Yeah, he, was, he, he built himself up. But going past that, though, I think you're right. I think the only thing that holds back a lot of these guys – is there seems to be let's put in two modern day guys maybe three and add one of these guys every year that's the way it seems to work out whether that is the case and again i don't think Derek jeter will be unanimous because i think a jerk in boston or another city will make sure of it if you can't if you don't tell me you think there won't be one guy that'll do it one guy's going to do it if he is, he should be destroyed for we being. We say that every year, and they never. Well, are. I know. Well, I, I think that. See, the thing is, I think that Rivera paves the way for Jeter being unanimous because there. I don't see how you cannot vote for Jeter, and I'm not. Oh, I, don't, okay. I know. I know. I'm a Yankee fan. I know, but I mean, you're talking about he's. I think sixth overall in hits with over with over three thousand hits. Five World Series. Where, where's where's there a problem here? He, uh, I'll tell you, you want to know another problem? I'll give you another potential problem. If it doesn't come out of Boston, it wouldn't shock me like if a writer in the Florida area did that. Yeah, but that has nothing, that has nothing to do, what, because he's an owner of a joke of a franchise? Yeah, but of course it is, but I'm just telling you that. Well, then that guy should have rule that out. If it's Dan Lev retard. He should have his uh, he should have his uh, vote in the hall of uh, the hall of fame voting. We're, we're, we, we say that all the time. It doesn't happen. But I'm just giving you an example that Derek Jeter has made some enemies, and so as a result, he probably won't be unanimous. That's yeah, all. I mean, that's uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, but uh, all right, um, let's get started. We'll take some questions today. Uh, we may have Ak a uh, little on a little later on, and and no, he didn't do PEDs, Alexander. You you're you're being trollish as usual. Um, by by the way, uh, yes yes, uh, Funky, you can take your shot of booze. I am wearing gray. Oh yeah, there you go. So it's gray day here. 
Hey, hold on, riff for another minute. I got to get my cats done watching the show now. Okay. <laughs> the cat has cat scratch fever. Oh God. Yes, Russ brought black licorice to the uh, Flyers game uh, on the weekend. We we talked about that on another show, and I have to now find out whether Anthony is still alive after eating that horrible black. Did licorice. you not watch the video? No, I didn't. It had over like 1,200, 1,300 views yesterday. We just talked about it on SiriusXM as well. Well, what, what was the verdict? Did he like it? The verdict it? was he didn't throw up. He didn't even make a face. He finished it. He was like, eh. So he didn't love it. He didn't hate it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would hate it. I know that. I've had black licorice. You say that. But you I've had, had it before. It's gross. You haven't had this licorice. It's from New Zealand. It's the good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen, and I love the Anchor Bar. <laughs> and I'm Michael Agello, and of course you love places where people get murdered. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Needless to say, we'll not have the Anchor Bar as our advertiser going forward. But if you're interested in advertising, let, let me know. Um, okay, we'll start. There were, there were a couple of uh, games last night, Russ. I wanted to start with those. Um, now, there was a, a rather disgusting incident in the um, Anaheim Ducks. It was Anaheim and Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, uh, where uh, Hathaway, the defenseman. No, 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 Anaheim and – Anaheim and um, – Washington. Washington, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm both yeah. blanking there. Uh, where Hathaway, the defenseman, uh, spit on another play. I mean, honestly, in, in this day and age, I mean, can we, like, show a little more – a little less gross way of, of – uh, of expressing yourself than scrocking on somebody. It was, I mean, come on. It's really, it's, I mean, really it's one of the, I mean, I know people, you know, may want to, you know, tend to laugh at it at first, but it's one of the worst things a person can do now, especially now that we know what we know it's felony assault. If you do that to someone on the street and they press charges in real life, by the way, it is. So, yeah. Yeah. This, you know, as we know, hockey's not real life, so that doesn't happen. And apparently they didn't apparently they gave a bigger penalty than what is in the rule book for it. But I still think he should get three to four games. He probably will get one game or a fine, but I think because of what it could do, I think he should get three or four games because again, you don't want to see players spinning. I did bring up the Roberto Alomar situation on Sirius because that was the first thing that came to mind with me in regards to spitting. Yeah, and somebody in the chat says it definitely gross, but is it more or less gross than Marshan licking someone? It's about the it's about no, the grosser. I mean, if you want to talk about potential for bad things to happen to you disease wise, yeah. then you have a better chance with, with the spitting. If you want to talk about just getting the heebie jeebies, then it's Marshan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was Leo Komarov, who's the one who did who he did that to I would have butt-ended him. I would have done a Billy yeah. Smith on Lindy Ruff. I would have butt-ended him for, for, for doing that because it's gross. It's weird. It's yeah. just, And we know why Marshand is doing it because Marshand is a guy who loves to get underneath the skin. He does. And he will do, he'll do anything. He'll do the Conor McGregor dance after a yeah. goal. You know, he'll he'll undercut Sammy Sallow like he did. Against, and don't get me wrong. I liked that. He'll talk to the whole bench. 
Yeah, he'll talk, right. He'll, I mean, you know, there are parts of parts of me that like what Marshan does, but he does go overboard. And yeah. that what's like Avery? Avery could do great things like that to a point, but they never know what the line is, and they all eventually go over the line. That's just I what mean, Sean Avery. Okay, did I have a problem with him doing a dance in front of Marty Bordeur? No, no. Did I have a problem with him? And I, it, it's not because it was the Leafs, but do I have a problem with him? Trying basically making fun of Jason Blake because he had cancer. Yeah, that was bad. In a pre, in a, and there was other things that supposedly were also being said during that that I won't go into. But it's like, I mean, really. Yeah. So I mean, that th that's oh, you know, I, I guess there is there any decorum in 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 hockey now? I mean, I get that there's not a lot of decorum, but you know, you you should draw the line at at trash talking. Like, look, if you say something about somebody's mother, who cares, right? I mean, in, somebody's mother, somebody's wife. Somebody's right. In my neighborhood, in my neighborhood, the mother jokes were the first thing that we all learned. And there was a way of defending yourself by learning those mother jokes. Yeah. So if you don't think those were flying every day on a school bus, of course they were. Who yeah. Um, so anyway, in that game, Washington wins 5 2. I, I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm not surprised by the cap success. But I've seen them a couple times this year. Um, I would really be surprised if it's not right now, as of mid-November, mid to late November, the three teams I can see coming out of the East. One is Washington, second is Boston, and I'm still waiting for them to sort of get on track, but I still think Tampa Bay is going to get on track. And like everybody else, I mean, right now they're, you know, like you could say, well, Toronto's got the talent, but until they get things straightened out, I, I, I can't see it right now. Um, but Washington is just, I mean, and and here's, and of course I bring everything back to the Leafs, but I'm, I'm saying this in terms of uh, context when it comes to the Capitals. You see how a successful organization is structured. They're not all skill. They're not all sandpaper and stupidity. There's a balance. You've got Wilson. You've got Ovechkin, who's a skilled player, but he also plays with an edge. But then you have Kuznetsov, and you have Carlson. There's a balance there. They they Verana added a ton. Verana is a, a really good young player. You know, Oshie plays play well, can play with sandpaper, but is a, a really clutch scorer. Backstrom is a skill guy. But what I'm saying is, there's a balance there. They can have an unbelievable power play with the skill that they have, and they can play a rough style when teams try to get rough with them. Yeah, Orloff is a, is a is a good young defenseman. I mean yeah. that 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 that. Duality, that ability to play multiple types of games, I think is what is conducive to a team that can win a Stanley Cup. And I think a team like Toronto right now, they can only play one way. And if they can't play that way, they can't win. No, I mean, let's bring up Anaheim for a minute because there's a few things that, that came to mind in this game. So the fact that they're only a minus five in differential is a miracle. Because they've only scored 59 goals. I mean, 59 goals, just to put it into context, Ottawa's got 55, Detroit's got 51, Columbus 45, New Jersey 50. They're on par with Buffalo. Like, that's where they're they're on par with goal-wise, right? Mm -hmm. They're not giving up a ton. In that game, while I was watching it, there were sequences where Gibson was blocking three and four shots at a time. Mm -hmm. And there's no defense. Uh, he's given up the, 
he's made the most saves in the league already. 502 in 17 games. Let me break out the calculator so people don't have to wait for my mind to, right. to do that. So he's averaging just about 30 saves a game. So on an average, so you know he's facing 40-shot nights. Mm -hmm. He's seen the most shots with 550, and he still has a 2.90 goals against and a 913 save percentage. I'm going to just go out there and say it. Dallas Akins is still a bad coach. He is. I know he doesn't have a ton to work with. I, yeah. There's no defensive structure on this team. None. I, I can't see he's a bad coach because, I, I mean, they overachieve. nine goals. I know, I know, but they overachieve. Russ, they don't have a great offense. But their offense was probably better last year. Right. I get, I get that, but I'm saying, you know, like – I I just I mean you. I would just like to know that, that, that team that, 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 that team for a very long time. Please, yeah. somebody tell me what he does. That team is heavily dependent on. I mean, why were they winning early on in the year? Because oh, so knew why. Yeah, because Soferberg, Raquel, and Henrique were scoring uh, like top six forwards. Now they're not. And that's and that's the problem. It's like they they don't have they don't have the the benefit of great amounts of depth. They have a lot of young players, the Max Joneses, the Sam Steels, the uh, Nick Richies, who I don't know whether you know they can carry the ball. They're 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 too young, or maybe they're not that gifted off. I don't think Richie's that gifted offensively. No, but you know they don't have Getzloff in his prime or Perry to fall back on anymore. Yeah. And that's the problem. I mean, they're. I think they're reasonably good defensively. They have a great goaltender who I think they depend too much on. Yeah, if, that's true. If, if they score enough goals, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be in in competition for a playoff spot. If they are continue to score like they're scoring right now, then they're not gonna be. And we, everybody, like I picked, I picked I them right around where they were last year. Yeah. Goal scoring last year, they were two point four seven. Right now they're two point six eight. I picked them to finish seventh, sixth or seventh in the in in the Pacific because I didn't think they could score enough. I don't think it's on Dallas Akins. I think you know. The, now I'll, I'll give him the benefit. And I know that he botched it in Edmonton. I, it's going to be tough for him to shake that off. And if he if he flounders there for a year or two, then that that's probably then the reputation has been well earned. But I can't judge him this early. Um, I'll do it for you. Yeah, I know. Uh, the other game was uh, a Pacific Division contest uh, between the uh, overachieving. I don't think so, but I think they're you know right now. I don't think people expected them to do as well as they are doing right now. Arizona Coyotes and the probably the worst team in the NHL, the LA Kings. The Coyotes win three nothing. Auntie Ranta with a shutout. Connor Garland, Derek Stepan, and Jacob Chikrin with his fifth goal. That's that's a lot for him. He's, yeah. he's at a twenty goal pace. Um, but I mean, Russ, they're doing it. They don't. They don't have a great offense, but they're playing. You know, they're not being uh, burdened by the bad injury situation like they were last year. They haven't run into that yet. They're getting solid defense, even though their defense is shorthanded without uh, Yarmolson in the lineup, and they're getting great goaltending out of Kemper and, and Ranta. Yeah, I will say that right now it's interesting because Garland has an over 19% shooting percentage, 10 goals already. Last year, I think he had like 13, 14, I mean 13 last year. He's getting just over 13 minutes of ice time. So you just think about the 
production that you're getting out of him. It's crazy, but it's not unfounded. I mean, again, if we go back when he was with Moncton, he had two years of over 120 points a year, 34, 35 goals. He was 5'8", 163 at draft day. Arizona looked into the future and said, this guy's got too good a skill set for us to leave him on the board. They take him, they turn him into a player. Like that's, that's a really good success story for Arizona there. And so, yeah, right now he is like a specialist and all teams need him and they got one via the draft. So good for him. Good for them. Um, yeah, apparently we know that the LA Kings uh, Twitter always likes to jab at uh, other teams, which is ironic now because they're so bad they shouldn't be making fun of anybody. But they they did it yesterday. And apparently there was a banner at the uh, it's not jobbing.com. it's a Gila River Arena, uh, yeah. where uh, the, there was a banner that said Taylor Swift most sold out performances. Yeah, at their arena, and the Kings just put out congratulations to the Arizona Coyotes on putting up their first ever banner. You shouldn't really be, you shouldn't really be talking when you, when you're looking to bail on a 36 year old Russian after a year and a quarter because you were stupid enough to sign him to the deal that you signed him to. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, on on that, by the way, I gotta um, say the the response from the Kings was awfully good. I mean, yeah, it's good, but I'm just saying. I mean, you should put you should put it in the context of you know those in glass houses. You yeah, know, don't 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 be making fun of the Arizona Coyotes when you're a joke of a franchise right now, and and they are the king. The Kings are the and the Kings have put themselves in a position, and I'm sure anybody if they you know they've won two Stanley Cups, they would take the two Stanley Cups and take the suffering afterward. Um, but I don't know how they uh, how they dig themselves out of the hole that they're going to be in with. Contracts of Brown and Carter and Alec Martinez and Quick and all these other, you know, the ones that have multiple years left. And these are players that are clearly declining. And now with Kovalchuk, I mean, uh, Pierre Lebrun reported today that the bonus uh, that he's due on December 15th is around 2.6 million. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's only getting base salary. But the problem is, is that the cap hit six and a quarter. You know, if, yeah. if you're a team that needs the cap it, you might be interested, but nobody needs the cap it. Everybody got to the cap floor. So this might be a contract that they can move next year. Yeah. When when like teams like Ottawa or uh, or Arizona or New Jersey needed the cap get to the cap floor. But right now, it's a boat anchor. They can't move it. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to ask you something. I mean, right now Chicago's had a little bit of a resurgence while Kirby Dock is on this four-game point streak. But in a game against the the Sabres, I guess Dotch broke his stick. And so Doc was going to the penalty box, and he runs over Sam Reinhart. He doesn't even have a stick. Like, that, to me, was a very dirty play. And I don't even think he got a penalty for it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it afterward. Um, just a morph to the the sabers here for a second talk about an organization that is just completely snake bit when it comes to injuries and we talked about it yesterday late in the show that they you know, they have a bunch of injuries Kyle Oposo um his career might be close to being over because he got sideswiped in the game against Ottawa on Saturday. It was a situation where he's coming off the bench, and an Ottawa player, I didn't see which Ottawa player it was, but he, yeah. he, was, go, he was going to the Ottawa bench, 
And it wasn't like the guy, it wasn't like the Ottawa player made like a head hit on him. It was sort of like he he sort of brushed by him and he, and he made contact with his head and it was sort of like a whiplash thing. And now Opozo is out indefinitely with a concussion. And I'm like, okay, he's been basically a fourth line player since coming back the last time. He's been playing on a fourth line with, I think, Gergensons and and Larson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Thomas Boyle in the chat says he needs to retire. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, but, I, I, yeah. He's not lingering circumstances. Can they get him off the books? Otherwise, he's not going to retire. Right. And somebody posted the list of free agents from July of 2016. And it's a, it's amazing. Every single one of them was a complete and utter disaster. Lucic, Franz Nielsen, Darren Helm, uh, Bacchus, Opozo. Every single one was an unmitigated friggin' disaster. But teams always want to go into it. Here's the pressure. The pressure is Franz Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. GMs. Louis Erickson. Erickson. There's another one. Yeah. GMs have money to spend. They have to go to their fan base and say, we're trying to get our team better. So they go spend money on players that aren't worth it. It happens all the time. That year, it happens a lot. Yeah, I mean it's Andrew Ladd. Thanks, thanks, Frank. Uh, and I mean, and Andrew Andrew Ladd has been sent to Troy Brower. Andrew Ladd's been sent to the minors now. Uh, an interesting little note here: Andrew Ladd now is making more money in the minors than he did in the NHL because, right. and same thing with Corey Schneider because they're not subject to escrow. They right. get they get their full pay. If I was Corey, I'm sure Schneider, thrilled about that. I'm sure. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure. I'm sure Schneider doesn't want to be in bingo, but I'm sure. Well, that's a whole funny story there too, because he and Jack Hughes are rooming together, and he was driving Jack Hughes a lot to the rink, and but Jack did finally get his car to the area, so now he does have a car here. But now everybody's wondering, like, is Jack Hughes going to take care of you know Corey Schneider's pets while he's in Binghamton? <laughs> Jesus, that's <laughs> funny. I do want to bring up. Um, Larry Brooks had a column about Leah Anderson getting sent down to Hartford. Okay. On the surface, you could say, well, look, he's a minus eight, one point in like 12 games. But there's always certain circumstances and, and ex- extenuating circumstances. For one thing, the minus is a lot of times the players you're playing with. It doesn't always have to do with you. But he is one of the better defensive forwards. And actually, Larry had a great stat. And this just shows you that you could feed a team all the statistics you want and it may not matter. And the, and the stat was Anderson had the best goals against ratio among any blue shirts, regular rotation of penalty killing forwards on for just one goal every eight minutes, 15 seconds. Zabanajar second for 731. Brett Halden third for 715. Ryan Strom one every 534. Foss one every 458. Greg McKegg one every 448. So now if you're trying to tell me and for whatever reason, the only player the Rangers haven't really moved when they're moving guys around is is Brett Howden. He's been at 3C the whole time. So nobody can answer that one. We move on from that. But if you're telling me Greg McKegg is better than trying to go with Leas Anderson and make something out of him, even if it's on the fourth line for now, I think you're crazy. But this just shows how coaches go with what's comfortable. If it's one less thing to worry about in their mind they're happy 
And so then the coach will just say anything to send the player down. So this one was, well, he has to be faster with the puck and yada, 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 right? So then people start questioning Gordy Clark. Well, he said the opposite when he was drafted. Well, a lot has changed since 2017 when Leah Anderson was drafted. For one thing, the coach. So, you know, you get drafted, the team's got one sort of philosophy. By the time the guy makes it, philosophies are starting to change. So now the philosophy is has changed. You brought in John Davidson. Again, he's got input. So all these things this guy has to overcome, and now he seemingly has a coach that doesn't really love him and you know, wouldn't shock me if he doesn't bring him up the rest of the year unless there's major injuries in Hartford. Instead, they're bringing up six foot six inch Tim Gettinger to, and and I think Larry was having fun with this to quote unquote fix the broken penalty kill. But you just got rid of your best penalty killer, like you did. And yes, this guy's big and he's a good penalty killer in Hartford. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good penalty killer in the NHL. But he's big, Mike. And this just goes back to. Just regular biases that we've seen before, and they constantly pop up. And now it's just one less thing for David Quinn to worry about. Well, it's it's ironic because um, yesterday the Leafs called up Pierre Engvall, who was a seventh-round pick, a developmental project, came over from the SHL, played in Finland, played played some in, some in the SHL, um, has played really well since coming over. He was part of the Calder Cup team for the Marlies a couple of years ago. Scored almost 20 goals in the, in the minors. Moved, played played center, which he had never, I think, never played uh, in the professional leagues. He might have played in the lower lower levels, but played really well at center last year. And he got called up when Trevor Moore got hurt. He's 6'5", 214 pounds, but he's fast. He's a he's a good skater, long reach, and Leafs penalty killing has been a problem for them. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in the lineup that they put him as part of maybe not the first unit, but the second unit. Right. This is, I mean, the, the problem is, and we know there are many problems right now going on in Toronto, but you've got too many of the same type of player, Trevor Moore, Nick Patan, um, you know, just small skilled guys, speedy guys. And I think, you know, one of the things well, I, I, mean, I, I will say this since Kyle Dubas has taken over that's what we've seen. Right. And these guys, and it's not him, his scouts are doing it, but that's what they're drafting. And Pierre Engvall was a draft pick of the Dave Nonis administration. Yeah. Um, and has been a develop, like I said, a develop developmental guy over the last five years. And, you know, so, I mean, if he gets a chance, I mean, he sort of fits, I think what Babcock has been looking for in terms of like bottom six guys. I, I continue to say if he hadn't gotten hurt in the, in the first game of the preseason, I thought Mason Marchman had a good chance of making the Leafs roster because you've got too many skilled guys. And again, we're going back to what I was talking about with Washington or St. Louis or Boston. They have skill guys. They have top end skill guys, but they also have worker bees and they need those worker bees to balance out the skill. You yeah. cannot play all the same type of guys. And I think this has been like one of the, problems with, with Toronto, not to say that Pierre Engvall is going to solve, because he's not a tough, tough guy, but he's a big right. guy and he, he uses his body effectively. But, you know, you need size. You need guys who will play with size and use their size to their advantage. Um, size and toughness will always be used as excuses why teams aren't doing well. And perfect example, Calgary Flames called up, Zach Ronaldo. I was just gonna say that it's like there you go. They sent they they sent ex favorite Tobias Reader 
down to the minors. Sorry, Tobias. Sorry, Ed. Yeah, and 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 Zach Ronaldo. So this is like Michael Haley with the Rangers. Yeah, you Although know, Haley isn't reported. They made a good point of saying just because you put a player on waivers doesn't mean he's actually going down. Right. It's just paperwork so far. Right. So Haley's still with the team so far. Now, um, we mentioned that the, the Devils uh, assigned Corey Schneider uh, to Binghamton. It doesn't sound like to me this is going to be like a permanent thing. It sounds like they want to get him work. They want to get him pl playing playing games because he. I, mean, I think Blackwood was getting the majority of the starts recently and playing fairly well. Um, but, again. that, Mike, but honestly – they want him playing games so they could hopefully trade him. Right. And and they got and they got to Ming for a reason. They didn't get to Ming right. just in case a goalie got hurt. They right. got to Ming because for the last year and a half, Corey Schneider's been good for a handful of games, and that's it. Yeah, so, and, and I don't I I'm sorry, even if you're a team right now that is looking for a backup or looking for an answer, he's six million, and then they can retain fifty percent. But he's got two. I think two more years. Yeah, it's gonna that, be a tough sell. That's gonna be a. I mean, even but again, it could be you take this guy back and from you know in our deal, and we'll do it. You know, if Calgary wanted to do it and they work out some sort of deal with let's say T.J. Brody, because like you said, they want to get out from under. It is a way of including him in that trade with other things to make it palatable for both sides. Now, here's an encouraging note for the L.A. Kings. Gabe Velarde, their former first-round pick, is going to make his debut for the AHL Ontario Reign. This Fantastic. Week. So, you know, obviously he's going to have to play a little while down there and show that he's capable. But I think, I mean, if if he's back to being healthy enough to play, he's got the, the, the level of talent to be oh, able yeah. to eventually make it to the NHL. And this is the thing. The Kings want to make they they want to move out some of these old guys and they want to play their kids because the the old guys they're the past. Yeah, except the other day, Mike, when Jeff Carter played his thousandth game, it was like you know a homecoming for an American president. It was just the the it was just an unbelievable PR display of how loved or beloved Jeff Carter really is. I, I got nauseous. I just did like. But I will tell you this, and you and you can disagree with me if you want, mm -hmm. but how many times have we seen this in other sports where there's a player where you're like, you know what, he's just not a good guy. He might be a really good player, he's just not a good guy. And then over time, people soften on the guy because, well, he's an older player now. Look, look, he, you know, he's, he's, he's played a 1,000 games in this league. He's in the twilight of his career, Mike. Right. He's a much better guy now. He's holding up a picture of his dog, and he's with his family. Mm -hmm. That makes it all better, doesn't it? Yeah, let's let's harken back to those days of what was it? Uh, Dry Island, Dry Island of Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we could we could regale people with those uh, those stories of him yeah. and Mike Richards and Scotty Upshaw in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Um, okay, one one little thing I heard, and I and and I want your opinion on it. Guy Carboneau goes in the Hall of Fame yesterday. They had the Hall of Fame ceremonies in Toronto. Sergei Zuboff, Fakalov, Nedimansky, Haley, Wickenheiser, uh, Jim Hewson. Um, I'm sorry, the coach from Boston College. Yeah. Um, there there's some people who were saying that Carboneau, the, the inclusion of Carboneau will 
uh, bring about a new, like a sort of almost like a new category of players that can get into the Hall of Fame. Like a Yuri Lettinen is now a possibility of getting in the Hall of Fame because now all of a sudden a defensive specialist like Carboneau, who won cups, but he's a defensive. Yeah, it's not like like Lettinen won one, right? Right. No, Lettinen won one in 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 ninety nine. Right. Yeah. Carboneau won multi-cup. Yeah, he won two with Montreal, 86 and 93, and then won 99 with Dallas, I believe. That's a little different. Like yeah. that, now you're starting to you, – so now if you want to make apples to apples, he's got to do that, and the guy has to have at least won the Selkie. And so, like, how many of those guys are there really? I well, mean, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna mention two, and I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. I know one of them won no cups, but I know another one of the, the other one won, I think, four. Uh, Doug Jarvis. Okay. And Craig Ramsey. Craig Ramsey had like a consecutive game streak of almost 800 games. He was, and he was not just like a just a, a strict defensive guy. He scored 25, 30 goals with the Sabers in the in the Mets. Yeah. He won, he won a Selkie, I believe. Um, but you know, does Carboneau open up those guys? Well, I'm looking at Ramsey's numbers. He's got similar numbers to Carboneau, so I'd have to say, yeah, I do but, think. But no, but no cups. But no cups. But I, but I think. It opens up the conversation. Now, if you want to say, well, we let him in because he was part of those cup teams and an integral part because of the defense he played, okay, but I don't think you can always make that leap. So I think both of those guys you mentioned are fine. Like a Jan Eriksson, you can't. He was a great defensive specialist, but he didn't score anything close to right. what Andy and Carboneau did. Right. So, no, but I think it's fair. Um. Okay, just – I had to just mention this. Um, Babcock was interviewed yesterday by the Toronto media. And when asked a question about his job security, he said, I'm going to do it as hard as I can for as long as I can. I've always bet on Mike Babcock. I'll continue to bet on him. So he's talking about himself in the third person. Right. Um, but what I get from that is I'm going to coach the way I want to coach until I can't coach no more. So if you expect him to change – He's, He's not going to. Now, yesterday, apparently, the uh, the hierarchy of the Leafs players, meaning T Tavar John Tavares, their captain, and Morgan Riley, one of the assistant captains, talked to Babcock, and you know they're playing Vegas tonight, which is going to be tough because Vegas is a good team, even though they've been struggling a little bit. They beat where did they talk to him at the poker table? Like where did they talk to him? No, at the at the buffet at the at the uh, at the uh, Cosmopolitan. Hopefully, they weren't in debt as much as Evander Kane. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, we don't know what that means. Now, we we do know that they shook up their defensive pairings. The one thing I think is a little bit of a, a sign is Tyson Berry moved from the second pairing with Jake Muzzin to the third pairing with Travis Dermott. Justin Hall being moved up. Now, this could be just a a cosmetic thing and then they switch it. He's changed pairings and practices before and then move things back for, for games. Yeah. Um, you know, just to touch off what somebody's in the chat, somebody mentioned in the chat, Babcock's contract is not a factor here. Maple Leaf sports entertainment makes so much money that they can pay him six and a half million dollars if they want to fire him. What I, what I, what I say here is, is that I don't think they see, 
a way that the team – I think there's a just as good of a chance of them turning around the team with Babcock there than it is by firing him and bringing in Dave Haxtell as the interim. I just don't think there's a possibility they're going to hire – Sheldon Keefe in the middle of the season. I, I don't think that Dubas would do that to his chosen chosen one when it comes to a coach. So you think ultimately that's why they brought Hackstall in so they could do that? I think they brought in I think they brought in Hackstall to, to be an assistant, but if it gets so bad that they have to fire Babcock or that that's that's a, a fait accompli, then at least Hackstall has handled an NHL bench and they can rely on that. It's sort of like what happened with Peter Horacek. You know, he now Peter Horacek wasn't a, a head coach, or actually, he was a head coach with Florida, I believe. Yeah, before, so he had the NHL head coaching experience, and they fell back on that when Carlisle got fired. But I don't think that they right exactly. At least do not care about money. They have it. They have money to to burn, and I wish they would give it to me so I could use it instead of burning it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think in the end, they're concerned more about starting off a new head coach if they're going in the direction of hiring Sheldon Keefe on the right foot at the right time than they are just throwing him to the wolves. And if they struggle and they continue to struggle, then the heat's going to go on Shanahan and on Dubas. So I think eventually the heat will go to Shanahan. But I think they're, they're doing as much to delay it as they possibly can. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, another small issue, and then we could take questions. I, I see that some Flyers media are reporting, well, Andy Frost will be in attendance tonight for Morgan's first game. And it's like, well, why would you think anything else? If nothing else, it's a good reason to go to Florida. Well, it's a, it's a question of what it's a, I, I have to say, I, I, I touch base with Andy cause I, we follow each other on Twitter and Andy is responsible. If you want somebody, to, if you want somebody to blame for you having to see me five days a week, blame Andy because he gave me the chance, the, 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 the platform on leaf on the uh, leaf talk show for years and get, basically gave me my career. Um, and I touched base with him yesterday and said congrats because Morgan Frost, uh, his son, was uh, promoted to the uh, to the Flyers, and I'm assuming that he's going to make his debut. I think they're playing the yeah. Panthers, the Panthers tonight in, in yeah. Sunrise. And I asked him if he was able to, being able to get down there, and he said he's working on it. So he wasn't sure at that point, but I'm okay. sure he well, he's going to be there, Mike. So yeah. now. So that's that's good, and I'm 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 gonna I'll be checking in on that game, and I really I'm you know congrats to both of them. I'm hoping Morgan will have a good first outing, you know, score score a point or two, and uh, that that would be cool. Well, I mean, if it's anything like practice, though, they had him on the top line, and if he's on the top line, that means Giroux is going to take the faceoffs. I mean, that's one thing, and then the other thing is that means he's also going to match up against either Barkov or Archery. And either one of them is a grizzled veteran at this point and really good at the position. So he's not going to have it easy. So I, I hope for the best for him, though. I do. Well, I, I, I love this first question my, 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 uh, from Michael. Leaf should give Mike some money so he can buy different colored shirts. <laughs> well, I mean, Mike, give out your PayPal address. That's fine. Hey, yeah. hey, this is the first time I've worn gray in a while. So what are you talking about? They're, all, they're very hard. Idiots all. Um, Funky is asking, are the Leafs playing to get Babcock fired? No. No. I don't think so. They're just bad because they're bad. It has nothing to do with Babcock. It, well, I mean, shouldn't say that. It has to do with Babcock, but it doesn't have to do with giving up on Babcock. Yeah, I mean, do I think everybody in the locker room likes Babcock? No, but does that mean they don't play for him? No, I think they're, I think they're playing for him. I think right now they're just, they're just a flawed team. 
Every year since 1967, they've all been playing for the blue and white. They just don't win. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um... By the way, I think that 1967 is the longest uh, winless streak now. Is it not? Other? Yeah, it is. In the, the NHL. Yeah. Because yeah, St. Louis was 67, right. 68. So. Right. Um, Flamester asks, uh, do you think the Leafs could – could trade Neilander to the Ducks for a D-man. Well, first of all, the Ducks don't have it. And the the Ducks backlog of D-men is over with. Yeah, they, you know, other than Josh Mahora, like they're out of young D-men to to possibly float out there or float one of the veterans so they could put a young one in there. When when Manson got hurt, they had to trade for Erica Branson. Right. You know, they they have they have Manson, they have Lindholm, they have Fowler. Jakob Larson's a young defenseman. You know they 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 had to trade for Gabranson. That tells you that they don't have any defensemen to spare. Now there are teams out there. I think you know if you if a team like Colorado who now has and it's funny how things. Yeah, I guess they, they the reason they got Gabranson is they sent Mahura back down. That's why right, because he wasn't ready. But right. if you, if a team like Colorado who's got a you know they've got Sam Gerrard, they've got uh, Kale McCarr. Now they're not trading Gerrard. They're not trading McCarr, but they got. McCarr, Gerard, they got Bowen Byram in the wings, probably will be up play, playing with them next year. They've got defensemen to spare. You know, Nikita Zadorov could be somebody you trade for, not for Nealander, but I'm saying they could afford to trade a guy like that because they're so deep on the blue line and they were not deep on the blue line before. But, you know, I, do I think that Nealander be, could be traded for a defenseman? This year, this season, no. In the offseason, if they miss the playoffs and there needs to be a change, um, then I think Nylander is going to be the first of the core guys that gets moved. They're not trading Marner. They're not trading Tavares. They're not trading Matthews. They're not trading Riley. Nylander's the one. Now they have to get value for him. Yeah. If they don't get value for him, then he's then he's you know they're not going to trade him. But he's on a path for thirty goals. So I, and I and I like I said, Eric Bednar's done a nice job, by the way, with with Colorado with everybody out. They're still in contention. So. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kyle asks, big expectations for Seth Jones. Will he bounce back this year? I don't think he had a bad year last year. He didn't have a bad year. I mean, I don't know what people – I think this goes to what do you expect from Seth Jones? What are your expectations? Because last year he had – this thing's jumping around on me. All right, he had 46 points, nine goals. He didn't have 16 goals. I get it. But he had 46 the year before 57, the year before 42. He is a 45 to 55 point guy. Right. He's got 10 now over 20 games. So he's going to get 40 something points again this year. Like, what are we expecting? Because he has one goal? Like, is that the worries? Because he's getting fewer goals? A lot of times, look, Shea Weber had years where he didn't get double digit 20, or at least not 20 goals. Like last year, I don't think, I don't even know if he had double digit goals last year. As an example, doesn't mean his shot got any worse. Just means guys weren't there to tip him in. I mean, he's putting them on that. Let's see, Shea Weber as an example, six six goals this year. He had fourteen last year, but he had sixty year before. Yeah, so, 14, 14 in like fifty something games because he missed the first yeah, two games. games. Yeah, that's so, that's amazing. That's actually. a that's a twenty goal year for a defenseman who a lot of people thought might be done because of the knee problems. And like you said, Rose, he lost a lot of weight. He's he he, he's He's lessening the burden on his knee, and you he's have to do that. this year. But it's just 
It's hard to get double-digit goals every year in the NHL. It just is. Now, Hunter Dietz, uh, this is up your alley here. Um, okay. I've been keeping track of, of BU men's team for Zegras, but David Ferentz is having an unreal season. What would you expect from him in his first year? So Trevor Zegras, you mean? Ferentz, no, I, think, I, think, I think he's asking about Ferentz. No, but Ferentz is in like his third year. Okay. So I think in, his, in his first pro year, maybe. Okay. So Ferentz is a good one to talk about because I went to the bean pot last year and I really thought he shined. Again, there were still some other players there where he wasn't getting top power play and everything, and he had 20 points, four goals. But, you know, he skated great, has a great shot. Saw that in the NTDP, and Nashville drafted him 92nd overall. So this year now, in 11 games, he's got nine goals and 16 assists. I think this will be his last year at BU. And I think, you know, as a pro, he's not going to be able to put up like 40 points unless he's getting power play time. But is he going to get power play time with Yossi and Ellis there? Probably not. So I think he's going to have to, you know, deal with, his first couple of pro years, first two, three pro years, you know, maybe like 25 points. Mm -hmm. But after that, he's capable of being like a 35-point guy, I think. I think he's a second-pairing D-man at his height. So it's a hell of a find. I mean, it really is. I mean, this kid has great speed. He really does. Uh, Thomas Boyle asks, heard in a Flyers podcast this morning, and they mentioned that Nolan, Pat Nolan Patrick's career is in question. Any truth to this? No, there's no truth to it. We don't get any report so saying that is just pure conjecture now they might shut him down but it they, might might, but they haven't even talked about that we don't hear anything about nolan patrick other than now he's not skating again so people are just jumping to conclusions and does it look good no but again we don't know if it's still the the headache you know the um migraine issue at this point i don't know what it is and nobody has been very clear on the Flyers' end, and it's not like we've gotten an update in the last day. So, actually, it's been a little while. So I'm trying to look to see if there is an update that's out there. There is not. So, no, that's you're jumping the gun there. Um, let's see, uh, Flamester again. Russ, could Philly make a push for Goudreau? Now, we talked about this after the show yesterday. Um, I mean, first of all, Goudreau, I mean – he was minus five in his last game. The Flames are not playing well, well right now. They're not going to fire their coach because he's only been there for a year and a quarter. They may be make, willing to make some changes. I seriously, seriously doubt that those changes are going to in, be involving Kachuk, Monahan, Goudreau, the core guy. Look, let's just our, we'll, we'll entertain the idea of Goudreau being traded, right? So. Shane Gossespear, Travis Konechny, and a first. Right. Would Philly do that? Maybe. 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 But you're talking about a – Here's the thought. I want to tell you what, what the hope is because I was going back and forth with somebody on text yesterday. The hope is, well, let's do Shane Gossespear and, and Jacob Voracek and the first. And Calgary doesn't want to do that. Calgary doesn't want to add another 30-year-old guy with – a big salary and up and down years ahead of them. That's not what they're trying to do here. They'll take Gossespierre because they know in, in a different system, Peters maybe can get something out of them that the Flyers aren't getting out of them. I would agree with that. But they're going to want a 
strictly cheaper but really good young scorer, and that would be Travis Konechny. And that's the problem with it. They're not going to take Morgan Frost because he's unproven. They are a somewhat now team in the sense that they, they have to start producing or at least the GM is going to have to start having his team produce or his job's going to be in trouble. So he's not going to make a trade for the future. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, well, and somebody asked another question about uh, – I can't find it who, who it was, but somebody was asking about John Hines and him getting fired. Oh, here it is, uh, Davy Jones asking – uh, do you think Hines will be fired before the new year? The Devils have sort of bounced back a little bit. They're seven, eight, and yeah. four. So they're not, it's like, I mean, if they would have kept going the way they did in the first few weeks, where, you know, I think they, they're starting to use Jack Hughes more. He's he's now playing much, much better. Would you say 10 points? So, yeah. yeah. I think ever since Fitzgerald took over, now all of a sudden he was getting top power play and he was playing with Taylor Hall a little bit more. And, yeah, and I guess Fitzgerald is very friendly with the Hughes family, so there's yeah. a little bit of a connection there. So, I mean, they needed to get him get him going, and uh, they're they're playing better. I think they're getting a little more stable goaltending. Issues, we know that their their overall scoring is not great. Their defense isn't great. Right, goaltending isn't fantastic as a result. We know. Um, just a couple brief ones here. What's the best thing to eat at Scotiabank Arena? Michael asks. Um, now you got to remember, I'm usually in the press box now, so I, I, you know, I don't go to many games as a as a customer. I always like the uh, the hot dogs, the not not the ones that you get at the normal, uh, stay, normal concessions, but they have the they what used to be the Berkey dogs. Okay. Uh, and now and now they're 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 sort of foot long, thicker hot dogs, and some of them you can put they can put cheese on them and. Uh, grilled onions or bacon wrapped around it. it you know, it's a it's a gourmet dog. So I've, I always thought that was pretty good. I haven't been to the uh, to that barn in a while. Matter of fact, the last time I was there was the World Cup of uh, the World Cup, wasn't it? I wasn't there for the World Cup. Oh, okay. No, the last time I was there, what year did the Devils play the uh, the Leafs in the playoffs? Oh my God, that was like oh three oh two. Oh four because that next year no, not oh four oh four they played no 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 oh three is right no oh okay oh three oh three is when oh three is when Domi hit Niedermeyer right oh four is when I was there because I was there for the first game the Devils were back in that building and apparently there was a lot of shenanigans there was a lot of pre skate stuff and so that was the the last time I was in that building and for whatever reason I have not been there in a million years. All right, I will just address this one. And Steve, thanks for the the little thing of, of you mentioned earlier about listening to me on six forty back in the day. Those days seem a long, long time ago. Um, what do you think about the rumor Barry for Stone and Bennett from the Flames? No, no, no. no I mean, no. I mean, Stone. In my mind, tell me if I'm wrong, Ross. Michael Stone is a five six at best. Yeah, he is, and he was cut. Right. He was waved, and then they grabbed him back. Right, and had the Valamani as, as a as a as a disaster. Um, you know, just to, to right, yeah. Um, oh four, oh four was Senators and then Flyers, I believe. Yeah, because I covered that year. It yeah. was. Um, but okay, so so Stone is not an adequate fill-in for Barry unless you're just no, and then it's been going down every year, right? So I mean, I would I would not do yeah. that deal out of the Leafs. If let's just say this: if the Leafs decide, and I wrote about this a little bit yesterday, but 
they're not trading Barry unless they are convinced that they're not going to be a playoff team. They got Barry right. with the realization that he's a one-year guy that they're not going to re-sign him. They it's he's an he's uh you know a, a stopgap like Yandel was with the Rangers a few years ago. They're gonna they're gonna hope that he had success, put them into a different level, and then. Now, unfortunately, they wouldn't be able to afford the price that he's looking for in free agency. Now, his price may go down now, but the way he's playing in Toronto, I don't think he's going to want to re-sign there. And if this continues and it costs him – and it's costing him millions of dollars. I mean, if he keeps playing like this for another 20 games, you know, if he has a 10, 10 assists in 40 games, he's not an $8 million defenseman anymore. He's probably like a $6 million defenseman, and that's only because there be players out or teams out there that believe that – you know, this was a one-year bad thing, and they'd be willing to roll the dice. But he's not going to get five or six years. He'd probably get no. three years at $6 million, and that would be about it. And that's costing him lots of money. Um, it is. I do want to point out in that 4 series, uh, that was the first one I covered for the Flyers because I was covering the Rangers exclusively because I had a different Flyers rider then. Sure. And I was going back and forth with Domi and Jeremy Roenick. They were, they were talking shit. Back and forth the whole series. It was yeah, great. And Tucker. Tucker was the Tucker. Yeah, Tucker was was getting a little bit involved, but not as involved as those two. Yeah, I think everybody everybody's favorite hit. If it's not uh if it's not Clark on um on on uh, on uh, Bruce not Bruce, yeah, Bruce Bell. If it's not Clark on Bruce Bell, it's the Tucker hit on Sammy Kapanen where he's struggling to get to the bench. And of course, he he fell down three times before he got into the bench. And of course, they didn't blow the whistle, and then Rona comes down and scores the overtime winner. So yeah, Um, but yeah, no. If if they're trading Barry, and again, I don't think they're trading Barry unless they his unless he requests a trade and it's just not working out which right now it doesn't look like it's working out, but he's too good of a defenseman to keep playing like this. Um, unless he requests a trade or unless they're convinced that, you know, if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be a serious contender, then they might be willing because he's making $2.75 million and they could get a good return for a team that needs a power play quarterback. That deal is going to be probably for I've got a, a post first here. A first-round pick and something. Okay, I've got a post here from Ryan Pike who writes for Sports Sporting News CA. I didn't even know they were still around, but anyhow, um, they're not around with me. But okay, he um, he said unless they put Sam Bennett on the LTIR, so maybe he's got an injury right now. Uh, they don't have enough money to bring up anybody, cap-wise. Well. Just to add to the Calgary Flames problem. I mean, there is a clause in the CBA that they can bring up guys on emergency. Yeah, and they might do that. Yeah, they have they they have to because they were the team a few years ago that had remember they started fifteen skaters. Right. So that was the whole thing. Like they're you know I mean the Leafs were able to call up Engvall because they put more on IR. By the way, the other day I thought there was going to be a um, a Guy Boucher moment in the Flyers game because. The, um, I think it was the Flyers that had the puck in their own end, and they were just waiting because like nobody was coming down the ice to challenge it. Um, so you remember that? Or, yeah, I don't, no, I, don't, I don't remember that. You remember that when they did that purposefully and they just held the puck behind their net? I guess when he was with Tampa. Okay. And and basically the other team was like, "Fine, you're not moving. I'm not moving." You know how they do that when they're going to go break out up the ice. 
And so, like, in the Flyers game, I think it went for, like, about 30 seconds, which for me was not as long as the Guy Boucher one, which I want to say went for, over, you know, close to a minute. Uh, Bennett is out week to week. That's oh, so that they could put him on LTIR then. Yeah. Um, okay, just a ton of games tonight. Uh, Wild and Sabres, uh, that's – the way the Sabres are going, I think they've lost 10 of the last 11. And I'm are- telling you, if they use Devin Dubnik, he's been playing well. It's just his team doesn't score much. Who's playing really well lately? Zach Parise. He's trying, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a quality player. It's just that team is going nowhere because it's him and a few others. And yep. I don't think some of the young guys have developed. Well, we'll cut and score the other day. If he could score a little more, it would help. It would. Yeah, uh, Flyers, Panthers. We mentioned possibly Morgan Frost debut. Bruins, Devils. No, possibly it is his debut. Okay, I know I, I wasn't. I, I no, didn't it is. Okay, good. That's good. Uh, Bruins, Devils, Islanders, Penguins, uh, Canadians, and Blue Jackets. Uh, For Bruins, Devils, there's Bergeron is questionable. Yeah, they'll they'll pull sit him because Krug is out. Yeah. So this is going to be a really undermanned Devils team. Um, uh, Bruins team, and they probably will still win the game. Right, and but this is typical Bruins. It's like in remember last November and December, Char was out, Bergeron was out, yeah. and they still won. Load management. I, Islanders and Penguins, uh, Canadians. Uh, Wait, Islanders and Penguins. So let's talk about that one just for a second because, you know, the Islanders are, what, 12-0-1. Will the Penguins be the team that breaks through? Because, you know, this is a game where you look at it, right, and you say – They're the ones who broke the losing – the winning streak. Right. You you would think this game looks like a complete mismatch and the Islanders should, should crush them, but I, I'm not having that feeling. We'll see how it turns out, but I think Pittsburgh might give them some trouble. Uh, Canadians and Blue Jackets. Uh, Paul Byron is out for four weeks with the knee after knee. And for my fantasy team, I'll admit it. And Jonathan Druen is out at least eight weeks, so that's not good. No. Uh, Senators and Red Wings in a bottom-dweller uh, battle. Uh Lightning versus Blues, that's probably the best matchup. All right, so you know the storyline in this one is oh, Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon, they're, they're all asking him, you think you're going to get cheered? Of course Pat Maroon's going to get cheered. He's from St. Louis, and he won a cup. He's going to get cheered, people. Why even no, ask that question? No, Housley got cheered in Buffalo after being one of the worst teams in the league. He got a – not a standing ovation, but he got cheered in Buffalo. So – but after the game starts and Pat Maroon throws his first elbow, then he'll get booed. Right, right. If he concusses somebody, then they'll be pissed off at him. Yeah. Uh, Jets and Predators, Hurricanes and Blackhawks, Canucks and Stars, Avalanche and Colorado. Uh, somebody said in the chat here, dying to see Matthew Kachuk and Nazem Kadri. Uh, that would be a cheap shot upon cheap shot. That would be good. I, I, I will say this. I think – somebody on the blues might start up with maroon because I got the feeling at the end there that he may have worn out his welcome in the locker room. Possible. Um, Oilers and the sharks, the sharks are now 10, 10 and one six game winning streak. Eat it. Michael Jello. You were like, you, you know what? You're you're the gonna make the playoffs. We eat it. You, you killed them. Ak is the one who said that the sharks were questionable. You buried them too. You did. Mike Jello. Come on. And finally. You're the only one here. I can't say eat it, Eck, because he's not here. Sure you can. He'll just get right. later. Uh, and finally, the Leafs and the Golden Knights. Uh, that We'll see. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. That'll I'll be up until 1 o'clock in the morning watching that one. All right. That's a dice roll. Huh? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, boy. Craps. Um, <laughs> for us going, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.